welcome to episode 47 of In The Saddle Podcast. We've got a special episode today. We're in the top 10 to follow. We have our two judges. We have Lucky Loaders and we have Paul Callahan. How's it going, guys? Oh, it's very good. Yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to it as well. Love getting into these kind of strategies. Um, kind of the closest thing to uh, to fantasy football, really, and racing. So, yeah, looking forward to getting stuck into it. Yeah, this this uh, this will be um, popular with people. Um, it's very very similar to your football fantasy football. Um, Paul Callahan, I've got a question for you. Right, go off topic. What's Killarney like at this time of year? I'd say it'd be wet, very bit cold, but uh, plenty of rain. But beautiful to to look when, when it's a clear day. It's beautiful days. Yeah, I've actually heard recently a unicorn has been sighted there. Is right. this common? Is this common over there? That's the first now I think that I've heard. Interesting. I'll need to confirm that with uh, Kiro Shea. Anyway, getting back onto topic, Chris Loader and um, Paul Callan. Obviously, we've got our match bet here. Um, and obviously, you know the prices already. How you feel? How you feeling about the prices? Yes, you're, you're not giving that away. Like you know, there's a lot. A lot can happen between now and then. But uh, you know, throughout the season and at the minute, the, the ten, my ten strong stable look very strong. But like a good lucky fifteen that have only four selections. It's grand until you hand over the money, and then it just the whole thing falls apart. Generally, this is why I've got you as a heavy odds on favorite here, Paul Callahan. Eight to thirteen and to four to seven as we speak. Yeah, it's it's, it's, still a, bit, it's, it's a bit tight. Like, there's a lot of pressure on that. Are you feeling the pressure already? Well, at them prices, yeah, I think you're you're not being very generous. I think you've got two stone in the hand here, Paul Callahan. <laughs> yeah, it's the first time. Like, like the real deal. <laughs> Chris Loder, what do you think about these prices? Five to four. Yeah, but I think I could have been a bit bigger to be honest with you. Um, could have can easily push me out to two to one. I think. I think you're getting a bit. And then and then maybe we, then even with a ten pound claimer, and I probably still still wouldn't get home. So, so yeah, it's what I mean, it is, isn't it? We're not in the game of place leads and match bets, unfortunately. Um, one on ones would be acceptable, but unfortunately we can't we can't do that. So we've got match bet Chris Loader five to four, Paul Callan eight to thirteen. Um, as you I'm not taking any chances on the on the margins here. Following a huge popular relaunch of the top ten to follow during the nineteen twenty jump season, where the winner walked away with over one hundred seventy seven thousand, the game returns again for the twenty twenty one season. The top ten to follow is the closest thing to being a race horse owner, all for just five pound. To enter, players must select ten horses to fill. Their stable from a list of over 500 of the biggest names in training. The stable with the most points at the end of the season wins 70% of the season prize pool with 30% distributed between second to 100th place. There is also There will also be a free-to-play version of the game offering 5,000 sterling prize to the winner. Entries close at 11am on November the 14th and the game runs until April 24th. There will be a guaranteed minimum of 150,000 upfront and it could be significantly more. There is a zero takeout. All money from entries will be distributed as prizes. The season-long competition gives you the chance to really get behind 10 horses and feel like they're running for you. Register with the tote now to start creating your own stables. How to enter, pick 10 horses to represent your stable. 
score points when they win races, bag yourself extra points with victories in one of the 25 bonus races, which I will put in the bio below. Get your hands on a share of minimum 150,000 prize pot. There are also four 10,000 pound monthly prizes up for grabs. With the 10 totes to follow, you select a stable of 10 from a list of over 500 strips you're during the season. Each stable costs five pounds to enter and you can play as many times as you wish. You can also create one stable for free to enter the free to play version of the 10 to follow, which has 5,000 prize. Horses score points for each race they win during the season with the points on offer depending on the level of race. A grade one is worth 25s, A grade two is worth 20 points and A grade three is worth 15. Any listed race one is worth 12 points, any other race is worth 10 points. Now guys, let's get into this, okay? We've got the boring point, the boring part done. Um, we'll start. We'll start with Paul Callahan. Um, I know we'll go through Paul Callahan's tend to fall to start with, and I know that he likes a popular Nicky Henderson runner in Shishkin. Tell us why I like this one, Paul. Um, I think it's fairly straightforward. He was he was exceptional last year. I thought I liked him kind of from from when I see him. He took the similar route over hurdles um, as as Altior did. I was quite taken by his Newbury win before Cheltenham. He beat a horse of the colours, Harry Redknapp's colours. And I was quite taken. Now, that horse, I think, not much since. He was, he's been quite disappointing. Um, but Siskin jumps on the approach to the wings of the last hurdle at Newbury. He was almost alongside him. And Newbury's a little over. For the running at Newbury from the last hurdle to the winning line is a little over a furlong. I think he managed to put... He managed to put a fair bit of distance between himself and the second Shishkin did, which was that the horse and Harry Redknapp's colours. Um, and I was really impressed with that. Like he was one of my Cheltenham bankers going into the festival. And moving on to the festival, I thought everything that could go wrong for him went wrong. And he still won. Like he met trouble passing just past the stands, the first hurdle past the stands at Cheltenham. He met trouble at towards the back of the field and Nico had to pull him to the to the outside and he met trouble as well under approach. I think it was the second last hurdle, and and he still managed to win. So I think that was it was an incredible performance. Um, moving on to to this season, I think it's like if he was lining up in a champion hurdle, he'd be in the top. You know, he'd be towards the top end of the market. I think it's interesting. I know Nicky Henderson has two darts to throw at the. You know, he's a good, a strong hand in the champion hurdle division. But I do think it's interesting that he's going straight novice novice chase, and he did say in the last couple of weeks that um, that it was a lot easier decision to send Shishkin over fences than it was Altior. But um I, I I don't know. I know the connections have said that they have schooled him only in the in the last number of weeks, but I'd imagine I know Yogi Breisner I think is is still is used by seven barrels. I'd imagine he would have I'd be surprised if he didn't pop a fence before he went on a, a summer holidays. Um and I think he's I think he's a horse that could go through the season unbeaten. So you could be bagging a couple of twenty five points here. Well, I hope fingers crossed, touching all wood, available wood, if he stays sound and, and gets a clear run, I think he could. I'd fancy him going beaten. That um that run at Cheltenham as well, probably make you feel better. Actually, back to second that day. I know you actually like the second, we'll get on to that one later on. Yeah. About Cadabras, I thought Davy Russell had that that race on the system was very, very game that day. But yeah, Paul Callahan, his first horse to follow out of the 10 is Siskin by Nicky Henderson. And it's number two, it's another Nicky Henderson horse in Duzar. Uh, why'd you like this one, Paul? I was quite taken by this, this performance he made on the, the 5th of November, which is at the time of recording was last week. Um, 
he made a, a nice hurling winning debut at, at Newbury. Um, I think Nico de Bonville was was pretty pretty impressed with him. You know he, he's well related, and, and I think it, it'd be interesting to see what what race he lines up in at the, the festival, whether it's the the Supreme, the Ballymore, or the Isle of Bartlett. Okay, so that's number two for Paul Callahan. Uh, moving on to number three, um, a horse was very impressive um, at Chepstow. A seasonal reappearance, McFabulous for Paul Nichols. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was. Re- I was quite taken by his the win in the Paris War. Um, he's a horse that he was quite keen in his younger days, and he seems to have matured a lot this year from that run. I thought that was an improved effort, and, and he's quite. He, he it was quite a taken performance. I know he's going for a a, a long distance, a, a trial for the stairs hurdle at Newbury towards the end of this month. So I think he could. He's a horse that could jump his way into to the top of the the market. I think the stairs could be a bit more open this year. Um, obviously Paisley Park has a, has a little bit to prove following last year's defeat. Um, listening to Gar Oscar ran well on seasonal reappearance, but I do. I think McFabulous. It'll be interesting to see how he gets on at Newbury. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to, if he ends up towards the top of the betting for the stairs come March. Yeah, certainly in my opinion looks looks progressive. Um. Definitely be at the top of the betting as well. I agree with that. I think this one sort of went under the radar a little bit. Um, yeah. Moving on to number four, um, one that you probably know quite well through friend Robbie Power, Lost in Translation. Um, this one will be popular with with our listeners. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the all the sounds and signs are, are pretty good this year that he's that he's strengthened up. I think I was really dis- I fancied him to go last season on beaten. So I was quite deflated after his defeat and the King George. And what was worrying, what was more worrying in the back of my mind was that nothing came to light after. You know, it's always, it's nice after a bad run that if you can actually find a problem to work on, but nothing seemed to come to light after Kempton and his run was too bad to be true. But he put in a, he was back to form in, in, the, in the Gold Cup finishing tour. He, he ran an absolute cracker. Um, you know, you'd imagine they're going to connections out. They're, they're not they having obviously bypassed Carlisle this year. It was an intermediate chase that he won last year, but he's going straight to the Betfair chase this year. And um, yeah, I fancy him. I, I don't know. Kempton's run last year going to the King George that has to be in the back of your head. But um, I think he takes all the beating in, in the Betfair chase and the, the Gold Cup. But just be interesting to see how much of a mark. Obviously, you can't tell at the minute. The training's going well, preparations are going well at the moment, but um. I would be hopeful that the Gold Cup hasn't left a, a mark on it at the minute. It, you know, we don't know until he, he lines up in the Betfair chase, but often them them hard races can leave a mark. But hopefully, I think it's all systems go. And, and yeah, okay, he's a horse I absolutely love. He's a fantastic jumper of, of a fence, and I'd love to see him take the the, the Gold Cup in March. Is he the one Robbie's most sweet on? But I've inside info here this season. No, I think he's he's he'd have to be looking forward to it. Like there's, there's no hidden hidden gems with him like he is like we all know his form he, he is what he is and, and that's a top class horse and I think if I was if I was Robbie Power I think I'd be the same he's, he's definitely like I think the firepower in the Tizard yard this year speaks for itself the fact that Robbie has moved over to, to England and left his wife and daughter in, in Ireland you know um, that's a huge decision like and, and obviously one that wasn't taken very lightly but I think that just gives you some indication of what the firepower is in, in the in the Tizard stable yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the way that he jumped at Carlisle was obviously a massive eye catcher um, at the start of the last season. And obviously that went at Haydock um, comfortably being Bristol Demai and Frodon. Obviously, Frodon's came out and obviously ran a blinder already. 
Um, I understand where you're coming from with the, the King George form, but then then only getting beat, going down a length to Alban Photo um, in the Gold Cup. So it's quite yeah. a bit. Maybe, maybe, do you think he's one to catch just early on, or would you be diving in the bet for Chase? Yeah, no, I think I think he takes the beating in the bet fair. Um, I I would I don't think it would it matters really what time of the, the season. Do you know, I don't think he's one maybe to catch early on or towards the latter stages. Like he was a length behind Albion Photo when the Tizard team, the Tizard horses weren't firing it the way, you know, they hit the ground so well last year at the beginning of the season. And it's so hard to keep the horse horses peaked throughout the course of the season. You know, you think of October, November time, we still have a lot of ground to, to cover between then and March. And it's hard to keep a horse, you know, it's hard to keep any athlete at the peak for that long. Um, I just think he's an exceptionally good horse. The, the worry for Kempton was just that nothing came to light. You know, there was absolutely nothing. Ground, track, scope, there was just nothing came to light. And that would be, that was, you know, from his Gold Cup third, that's kind of put that to bed, I think. But going into last year's Gold Cup, I was kind of concerned that maybe something might, might raise its, its, its head after, you know, going into Cheltenham. So Lawson Translation is a confident selection from Paul Callahan. I've got a sneaky feeling that it's in so many post bets as well throughout the season. And moving on to Paul Callahan's number five, another Colin Tizard runner, the big breakaway. Give us a slowdown on this one. I think all reports are that the, the big breakaway is all the reports are pretty positive. Um, he's a winner of a, a point to point, was snapped up by connections, was very impressive when winning at Chepstow in order to debut for the Tizard team. Backed that up with success at Newbury um, last December and then was fourth in the Ballymore behind Envoy Island. Wasn't beaten, was beaten a little over seven lengths. So I thought lost very little in defeat. He's a, definitely a chaser in the make and already it was, you know, as mentioned, he was an impressive winner of a point to point and he looks to be, you know, connections think that that he's an ex that could they're hoping he's going to develop into a gold cup horse. I think he could he's the sky's the limit, I think, with a big breakaway. And if you look at that form, the Cheltenham behind Envoy Allen, I mean it looks like an outstanding piece of form. And I know there's another one in there, Willie Mullendroner, that you like as well. So everything's sort of tied in here. Um I actually think that I've priced this up wrong. I think you could be maybe a one or two chance here. I don't <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. These things, it's like doing a lucky 15, the four horses. And that's only with four selections. They all look pretty strong when you're, when you're handing the money across the counter. But when they start running, it's a different story. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on to number six, another popular one. Altior from Nicky Henderson. Yeah, I think that he's kind of divided opinion, has he? On the, the two-mile division this year. Like, he's not getting any younger. Like is all, but I think he's the one to have to beat. You know, he's been given that race last year with surname. Obviously, took it out of him at Ascot. Um, connections are going to try and test the route this year, and I think he's the one they all have to beat. I just can't see, I can't see past him. He's obviously getting a bit. He'll be getting a little bit wiser as well. But you know, there's not many. He was kind of pretty well minded after that Ascot run last year, so I think he's the one that they have to beat. You'd imagine they probably just. Rathen and Colin will maybe have one, two runs before they go to Cheltenham and stay over two miles. Um, yeah, he'll run into Tingle Creek, won't he? Yeah. I think so. And he'll hit that flat spot and then he'll he'll run away from them over the, over the last. I think so, yeah. It sounds easy, doesn't it? That's <laughs> not us. Yeah. yeah, the problems are when, when they don't pick up. Um, <laughs> and we've all, we've all been there before. Um, 
Moving on to Paul Callan's next selection, number seven on the list. I know he likes Gavin Cornwell's Darber Star. Why do you like this one, Paul? Yeah, I think Darber Star, when you look at his form or following him last season, he's a horse that you couldn't both fall in love with. Um, he's a horse that just, I don't think he knows how to run a bad race. He was a, an incredible he's a horse I actually tipped up months before the the champion hurdle, I think around about the 33 to 1, 40 to 1 mark as an each way selection. Totally ran an absolute cracker, finishing third. His chasing debut went well at punches this time. He did what he had to do. I know he, he jumped left early on, but I wouldn't hold him. I just wouldn't put the point of finger at Darver Star. I am a little bit biased, but the horse was as a loose horse or a Gigginson horse. It was a horse in front of him that was jumping out to the left, and they weren't going much of a gallop. And I think it was he was just inclined to follow him. He jumped pretty straight in the up the home straight of Punches Town, and I liked when he was asked to go up when Keith asked him. Keith Dunhill rode him. Johnny Johnny Moore was out injured. Um, I liked when he went on the stride to catch the leader that he actually he was he really put the head down and touch wood he was very cute at his fences he was very early on even you could see him yes he was a little bit careful out to his left I think he was following the horse in front but you'd, you'd rather see a horse going into the boards and just popping than, than just letting play at one getting inside the wings and being a, you know unsure and then just taking off because that generally ends and doesn't end well you know he was very cute going into the boards he jumped straight and well he was very slick i think when he went on a stride so i think when he goes into the better races throughout the season i think we're going to see uh, you know we're going to see another improved effort my only my only concern i think is uh be a nice problem to have is if if all goes well for, for darver star and shishkin that we could be meeting each other at, at the, the festival in march i think the article is at the minute is all the ingredients to be one of the races of the festival and i hope all horses get there in one piece which one would you side with? Um, Darber Star or Shishkin? Oh, that's a horrible question. Uh, in in November, I think that's an absolutely horrible question. I think and both each way, Paul? The heart would be Darber Star, but the head would be Shishkin, I think. I think Shishkin would... At, the, at this point in time, I, th- I just fancy... I know Shishkin hasn't, hasn't jumped the fence in public yet, but I'm taking that he's going to be very good. But I would just... I would side with Shishkin. And I'm looking at um, Dover Star's form over hurdles, last three runs, being four lengths by Envoy Allen, being, being half a length by Honeysuckle. Um, look, it looked like the winner and um, did hit the front of Honeysuckle battle back at Leperstown and then yeah. beaten by Epiton at Cheltenham. I mean, that form is, that form is absolutely rock solid. Um, didn't beat a lot on debut, uh, but I think this one's definitely one to keep keep on the radar. This could be my number one to follow. Uh, for the season, but could this, yeah, the sky could be the limit with it. You just wouldn't know, but I think come the Arkle, I would side with Chishkin, but the sky could be the limit also with, with Darver Star. Is this a Randy post match bet here? There, Paul Callahan. I think it could be. I it's the, the, yeah, it'd be torn now. Come come Arkle day, I hope it'd be a nice problem to have. Like I'm a massive Darver Star fan. I think the whole story and what have you. The, the guys, I think the the guys that own it, um. I think they done a, a lot of had a winning lottery ticket. I think they, they ended up buying the horse a syndicate in County Louth, and and that was it. They, they approached the I think the number, yeah, the it's SSP number twenty two syndicate. I think number twenty two had something to do with the could have been the winning number. So they bought the horse. Like so it's a fat, it's a cracking story, um, and just one I hope that that continues on the up throughout the course of the season. I like these types of stories. And I also like two to one in the match bet, Paul Callan. Can I get two to one in the match bet? I don't know what to say. 
Seven or four? Right. Uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It looks good at the minute, but uh, we'll see how, how these things pan out. Oh, is that running? Okay. We'll, we'll see what happens. So, Diver Star for and Gavin Connors uh, for Paul Callahan. And moving on to Paul Callahan's eight force to fall. Now, this one is a bit of a mouthful. Abacadabris? Did I pronounce that correctly? Abacadabris, yeah. Yeah, there that's we go. it. Subtitle Wired. Paul Callahan, you've got the floor. Yeah, he was disappointing, was he, behind Aspire Tower? What was Aspire Tower underrated? I don't know. At, at Down Royal in the, the WKD hurdle towards the, the end of October. You know, he was a beat nods on favours. My my only other my, my more con- I'd be more concerned the fact that Jason the militant back in tour was only a short head behind Abercadabras as opposed to Abercadabras finishing four and a half lengths behind behind Aspire Tower. Aspire Tower would be no no slouch in his own right. Um he's obviously gonna improve for the run, but I, I, my only question mark would be Jason the Militant got so close finishing in third. But prior to that, it was a seasonal reappearance. Before that though, he was a good second. He was only a head behind Shishkin. In the supreme novices and there was 11 lengths back to chantry house in third and i think on that run like he's a couple of wins too he was a good winner he only beat three rivals in the the future champions novice hurdle grade one at leperstown towards the end of december at the, the christmas festival so i fancy i think abercadabras throughout the course of the season i think he'll go back for a champion hurdle trial at the, the christmas festival i'd imagine and i think he's one that's going to jump his way to the to the top of the market i know he was second towards he was about second favorite for the champion harder before his run at Down Royal, but I think he's um, he's going to jump his way back up to the towards the top of the market between now and March. Yeah, he certainly looked progressive over hurdles last season. Um, just jumping into obviously Envoy Allen and um, being a length at Ferry House, and obviously that run at Cheltenham, I get behind Shishkin. Actually, back Davy Russell that day. Uh, it's an absolute sickener, and um, had it in Mollipoles as well. Hit all Should he give us the ring? Should he give us the text or a ring before? I fancy. Was it as well? Listen, those wounds are those wounds are still dry. There's no need to open them up again. Um, I think that that form of that fire tower as well looks quite solid. I think there's more to come from Henry de Bonheads and Spire Tower as well. Only a four year old, you know. I think this one's definitely going to rack up some points for you this season. Paul Callahan, uh, Abra, Abacadabras. I forgot it. I think I got it right eventually. Subtitles required. Right, moving on to number nine. Um. Surprise! It's the first Willie Mullins one you've put in. You like appreciate it. I do. I like the two from the the champion bumper at the festival last March. Appreciate it. I think it'd be a lot sharper than Fairy Hollow. And um, yeah, I think it's are two interesting, fascinating recruits to the to the Hordland rank. Do you know, prior to that, appreciate it was a good winner of a bumper at Leopardstown. That was towards the that was at the, the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, you know, it's it's only it was beaten in a point to point, fair enough, in February two thousand eighteen. But the only time I appreciate it was beaten was on, on the race course was at Fairy House in November of last year and in the the, the, the festival behind Fairly Hollow. So I think he's a fascinating recruit to the Hordland ranks and yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. Yeah, and which horse beat him in the the point to point? Envoy Allen. Envoy Allen. So pretty it's pretty solid the horse nearly perfect separated the pair he's with a horse that's with, with neil king now chiefly parker doing right if they're a criminal aren't they they are 
yeah it's a, yeah it's interesting to see i see somebody was it the bet of bet of stud maybe um i'm not 100 sure on that in the last number of days there's a new owner with, with gordon elliott was it bet of stud but uh yeah no we're giving to you yeah tv park or it, it's probably needed to be fair with the the national hunt game with the likes of rich richie Graham Wiley and the likes toning down. You know, when I was kind of starting in in, in national wrestling, John Hales and um, the Stewart family were huge owners as well. But Graham Wiley had the guts of nearly between flat. I know you had a, a number of, of flat horses as well in the transcend bloodstock colours, purple colours, but he nearly two, three hundred horses in training once upon a time. Um, He's on guard, isn't it, right now? Yeah, that's it. And I hope so. I hope it's hard for smaller trainers at the same time and that's a completely different argument but i think to keep the sport going and, and what have you it is we need it like yeah it's interesting as well looking at that bumper form of appreciate inferni hollow one of uh, chris loader's favorites um ocean wind in behind as well and actually looking at ocean wind's form actually and this is unbelievable i actually backed it at lingfield and he got beat and he's he's just one of 96 absolutely hacked up you know yeah Maybe I need to start buying some lottery tickets. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to number 10. A horse that we already mentioned already. Fernie Hollow, um, another one of Willie Mullins. Um, what do you think the plan is for this one this season, Paul? I think if I'm right off the top of my head, I think Fernie Hollow, appreciate it's going to go the, the two-mile route. I think Fernie Hollow will be going the the two-and-a-half route. I think, he's a, I think appreciate it is a little bit more forward going. Um, yeah, Fernie Hollow certainly looks a, a bit of a monster by Westerner generally improve won his last two won at fairy house uh, towards the end of february part of that was second at leperson over the christmas period and i think yeah you'd imagine the sky would be the the limit with him you know he's a fine big horse um and i think he could take all before him in the, the two and a half mile division novice division yeah, it'll be interesting to see him over a hurdle um yeah gonna go off a ridiculous price isn't he let's be honest but be interesting to see how he takes to it um, I do think that's a really strong 10 from Paul Callahan. Um, and I think I'm going to have to update this match bet- betting as well. I think Paul Callahan's an 8 to 15 chance now. Chris Lowe, they're out to 7 to 4. Uh, hoover that up then. Yeah, just went 6 to 4 there. Max stake 20 pence. <laughs> Sounds right, like me. Anyways, Paul Callahan's top 10 to follow. We've got Shishkin, Duzar, McFabulous, Lost in Translation, The Big Breakaway, Altior, Darber Star. Abracadabra's appreciate Fernie Hollow. That could be some absolute ridiculous anti-post accumulator. Yeah, certainly looks good at the minute, but yeah. Yeah, we'll wait and see. I hope so. Yeah. Okay. We'll move on to our underdog in the betting right now. Move on to Chris Loder. Um, his top 10 to follow for the two. Um, he likes Henry de Bonhead, Manila Endo to start with. What's the reason behind this one, Chris? Yeah, I, I would say... Um... This season, when looking at this competition, I always try and pick a couple of horses for kind of like each division. And uh, looking at my Gold Cup kind of candidates, I think he would be at the top of my list. Um, I, I've, I just think we haven't seen too much. He's quite a likely racehorse for his career um, so far, you know. And he, from what we've seen of him, he's just an absolute monster stayer. Um, and I just think this season is where we could see him take another step forward. Already a Cheltenham Festival winner, won the Albert Bartlett at 50-1. to 1, And I think he 
was one of the first horses ever to win a grade one and not win a maiden hurdle. You don't you don't see uh, too many grade one winners that haven't won won a maiden. Um, so so he, that 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 was quite an interesting feat. And then last season he was a bit of a slow burner over fences. He got beaten by Lorena first time out, but then I think he took a few steps forward. And I think he was slightly unlucky not to win that RSA. I know that Champ obviously came there with a late turn of foot. Um, but I just think he made a little bit of a clumsy jump at the last that cost him. And if he got up on a better stride, I think, um, think he would have probably just held on. Um, I, I, think, I think with another few more runs under his belt, heading towards the Cheltenham Gold Cup, he's, um, I think he's going to be a solid contender. And another thing about the Gold Cup as well, it's very hard. You don't see norm- normally, however, the, 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 it has just started to maybe be a trend in the last couple of years. A lot of horses that have tried the Gold Cup once never win it again. It's normally a really hard race. Um, that, that that's like a concern I would have about horses like maybe Lost in Translation. You know, like even though they've got solid credentials on paper, just the fact that he didn't quite see it out. An album photo, who yeah is an exception to the rule, and Native River. But before that, it was it was not normally you normally wanted to come in and uh, win the Gold Cup first time out in your career. Manello and Manello Indo is going to have that that angle in, which is what I like and he saved his best for the festival and I was really impressed even though it was a small field grade three at Wexford on his return I just think there's a lot to like about him um this season and uh, he would probably be at the top of my shortlist for my gold cup contender and when you go back to Garen Park you know behind Lorena looks a solid form uh, no mug um, and obviously champ and that was a very very strange race um it was in the Pied Power office that day and uh the race looked all over, um, absolute mayhem and running, as you can imagine. Um, Barry G getting getting champ up, um, but yeah, I can understand Chris Loder's argument for Manello Endo. Um, you know, I mentioned Albin Photo as well. I think that's definitely a horse that doesn't get enough credit. Um, lost in translation. We could have some arguments starting here. I need to calm the boys down. Um, <laughs> not not sure if I agree with that one. I think. Contest, there's lost translation will be bang there. But Albin Four for me definitely deserves more credit than he gets. And um, moving on to number two, um, and a uh, real steel. Um, what's the thought process behind this one? He's part of the Jared Sullivan um, uh, horses that have come from uh, Willie Mullins to Paul Nichols. Lorena's one of them. Stormy Island, a few of those uh, kind of types of horses. There, um, yeah, I think uh, this real steel. He, we're going to see a few nice races in him this season. He was really eye-catching in the Gold Cup where he came from absolutely nowhere and um, and really caught a lot of people's eyes that day. Brian Hughes was actually booked for the ride that day, you might remember. Um, and he came there swinging uh, with a couple of fences left to go, looking like he was going to be bang there to uh, to finish in the frame. But he just um, he just got outstayed in the end. Uh, but I don't think he's he's a real stayer, and it was kind of a strange decision for him to run in the Gold Cup. However, if you go back through a lot of his form in Ireland, he had a lot of form going right-handed, and he was an absolute machine. Uh, often a horse that's handy, um, a very good jumper of a fence, and I can just see him being the kind of horse that might go for the King George slightly under the radar. I could see him starting out in the Christie's Chase at Ascot later this month, 
and um, then maybe going to the King George he has got an entry for the King George and with Nichols absolutely cleaning that division up um, over the last few years you know uh, Clan Zobo winning it the last two years okay he's going to have to beat a couple of handy stable mates probably to win like surname and um, potentially Clan Zobo as well I just think real still he, he could be a machine round Kempton I just think the track would really suit him and with that being one of the bonus races, he would be a contender. And then I could see him maybe later on in the year going for a race like the Ryanair. Um, I, I think over those two and a half mile races and possibly an attempt at a King George, I think he could be a really serious player. And he could be a big price as well in some of those races. And, and he's not one to, to lightly dismiss. It's currently best race available, 16 to 1 for the King George. Um, I do remember that that run behind Alvin Fulton in the Cheltenham Gold Cup absolutely travelled like a dream but made so much ground up from the rear and on the outside and actually they're like the winner at one stage as well um, it's only being around six lengths so uh, I, I completely agree with your, your angle on a flat track but a furlong two furlongs less it came from I mean, definitely a player 16 to 1 do you think that's value at the moment at any post markets I think so I think if he went on to like I said if, if the plan which I think it is to go to Ascot and he wins that um, I think he'll definitely half in price and I think with the Nichols factor I think he could easily go off five six to one that kind of price on the day if he does win that race at Ascot obviously we need a we need a bit of a um, what they call it a, a, a bowl to look into the future but uh, yeah I, I think um, crystal glow uh, one of those things crystal ball that's it we need a crystal ball to look into the future but if he you need a, a bit of this to 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 select runners in your team and like I said I just think he could be a real danger in in the King George if he uh, if he does win that race at Ascot or runs well in it at least anyway I think I think Paul would be tempted to have a crack with him at it and uh, yeah I think he's a lively player real still I can see Paul Callahan on his phone right now you're getting about that 16 to 1 there Paul I'm just no no I think I'm going to wait and see I, I don't know I think a sixth in the Gold Cup like they went very slow. They didn't go overly quick in the Gold Cup last year, if you remember. And so that kind of had them had plenty of them stacked up. I think if just off the top of my head, Paul Townen made a move, didn't he, from near the the back of the field to on the outside to sit a bit a little bit handier. Um, I, and I have this thing with French horses that that a lot. I know there are exceptions to the rule, but you know an awful lot of the French horses they often don't train on, and I would kind of like to like to see him run once any of the seasons to kind of make my mind up like I do definitely agree I think he'd be, he's certainly a fascinating recruit to, to Paul Nichols who do you think will take the ride is that of interest Brian Reason will get to keep the ride after that performance in the Gold Cup no I think Paul will stick to his own wouldn't he I stick to his own if, if he's well, if he runners in the race if he's a handy type of horse I could see Brani maybe getting on him um probably get a great tune out of him i could see see her he's got brian carver as well who if, if he gets on a bit of a run you know getting plenty of good rides at the moment for Nichols. really really been used as their third choice jockey yeah obviously there's going to be a lot of headaches i think uh, for that stable this season with some uh, good horses to go to war with in some of these big races a good spirit to pick up for anyone anyway moving on to number three um, of course, the others tend to fall. We've got one from Tom George at Springfield Fox. Um, this is one that I actually backed at Cheltenham. Um, again, I must have called a priest in a past life, unseated rider. Why do you like this one, 
Well, one of the, well, one of the angles I think moving into this competition, I always like to look at a handicapper to follow um, for the season, and uh, one of the races that's the bonus races is the Welsh National, and I could just see this horse being absolutely tailor made for a Welsh National. He really caught my eye uh, before the festival, and that's why I actually told you to back him. Um, he was uh, he really did progress really well towards um, the end of last season or the season that was cut short. Uh, he won at Exeter, absolutely bolted up by 17 lengths. And then he as well, he was a winner at Chepstow. He's a he's a really good jumper of a fence. He likes to be handy, goes out from the front. And the key to him is really soft and testing ground. And the fact that he's already won round Chepstow is a massive tick in the box. And I'm sure at that time of year, the ground will be very testing. It's always a very grueling nutritional race. He's going to have a, a bit of untapped potential, I think, this season. It'd be a second season novice as well, and second season novices don't tend to run too badly in the Welsh National. Okay, we've had a couple of old, older horses like Pot Across and Rasda Marie won it in recent years, but you also as well had the likes of Elegant Escape, Native River. They were both second season novices, so it can, it's not, it's not a bad race for them. And uh, I thought he was unlucky actually in that uh, National Hunt chase when he fell. He, you couldn't say he he. Uh, his bid was over you know he was still there uh, in contention at the front yes he might have just got outdone by more classier sorts but you couldn't you can't say that um with your hand on your heart you know he he could have still had a little bit more to come and he's got a mark of 142 which i think quite workable actually and if he got in that kind of mark i imagine they might go for the trial maybe um i've actually read some of the quotes already and this is the plan to go to the welsh national and i think if he won that it's where he could go he could go for a race like the scott uh, the bet 365 um gold cup which are bonus races later on in the season he's just going to be one of those kind of horses to follow in this division and uh, i think he's going to win at least one of them and uh, he's quite an exciting unexposed horse overstaying trips definitely room for a manoeuvre of 142. I actually hope they don't go down the, the amateur route because I don't, I don't think, I mean, no George, I think it's chalk and cheese comparing him to your sort of Jamie College, you know, and I think that was very evident on the day. Um, and that, as you say, Chris, that, when we did talk about this horse before the race, that was my main concern. I just think, I just think the, the quality of rider was definitely on show that day. Um, but yeah, hopefully they go down the professional route I imagine um, they this one. There's a lot of good amateurs out there, but it was, it was very evident. Um, I'm a, I imagine Johnny Burke would probably ride him. I think he rode him at Exeter and possibly Chepstow. So, absolute uh, top top um, jockey that would be taking the reins there uh, if he goes down those routes. So I imagine Johnny Burke would uh, get his chance. So, Springfield Fox for Chris Lowe and Tom George. Um, moving on to one that Chris Lowe actually tipped up at a massive price the other week. It was strongly. There's a bit of money, money for him. As Harry Graham's I write. Um, where do you think this one's going next, Chris? Again, a horse that I've got a lot of time for. A horse that I've always um, really liked. Um, and I thought he ran an absolute cracker in the Charlie Hill to finish third. You know, he, he ran well for a really long way. And before I was talking to you away from the podcast and I was saying, even though, yes, he has run really well, I'm a bit disappointed that they ran him in a graded race when he was off a mark of 146, which you think, oh, that, that could definitely win him a nice handicap um, 
along the way. Something maybe make him a player in the in the lab brooks. Um, he could definitely go later on in the season for a race like the Ultima at the festival. He's definitely going to have a, a lot of these kind of races in him. Um, he only got raised four pounds by the handicapper, which I thought was fair for that effort in the Charlie Hill. And I like to think maybe I don't think he's going to be a, a Gold Cup candidate or a Gold Cup outsider, but I think he's going to be a real again like Springfield Fox, a real good staying chaser. And I think he he does have a bit of room still to play with off 150 and the, the the quotes have been from Harriet Graham that he could potentially line up at the Labrooks Trophy meeting um, at Newbury later on in the season um, or they might bottle it they did say and maybe go for an intermediate chase but whatever happens I, I do think he he is potentially well handicapped and um, he might like I said have a few pounds to play I think the key to him would be going left-handed and a flat track and his form as well with nuts well winning the old Rowan chase a couple of weeks ago that looks good so um yeah a lot of positives for i right yeah, i think that run in the charlie hall the other week it's massive i mean just behind vindication and surname i mean these are top top animals anything around the 150 more low 150 certainly of interest in any any handicap um, and you've probably got a price as well being trained by harry Graham. yeah exactly the only thing i would say is that i think he he has been noticed by a few people now um so even though sometimes we say, oh, like if they were trained by Nichols or Henderson or whatever, they'd be certain price. Once they kind of out there and a few tipsters that have big followings say these horses, they kind of get into the public psyche. And I think he's just starting to, to get there. You know, I think I've seen about 16s for the lab bricks, you know, and that's the kind of price I would probably expect him to be. I wouldn't expect him to be much bigger than that, but not shorter than that. I think he's probably quite right in the market. However, in a race like that, I think he would be a bang player, and it wouldn't at all surprise me if he went really close in a race like the Labrook. So, um, yeah, I think, like I've said, for all those reasons, I just think um, he's a nice horse to follow this season. So I write, oh, Harry Graham's I write for Chris Boulder. Uh, moving on to one of my favourites, Henry the Bromhead's Honeysuckle, uh, one that I was a big winner for me at Cheltenham. Um, do you think she's going to improve even more this season, Chris? Uh, it's hard to say if she'll keep on improving, but I just think if she replicates what she was doing last season, I think she's good enough to to uh, defend her crown in the mares again. You know, I think um, what was really impressive about her as well that she could beat the boys, you know, and and give them weight. And that form of Darva Star looks really good. We already spoke about. I think over two miles, it's not her best trip. I think two and a half is definitely her best trip. I think I think she's got the class to to win over two miles, but she's uh, she might just lack that absolute turn of speed that she might find out she could maybe get found out against more speedier types if one was to kind of emerge in that division that had a bit more speed but uh, she's definitely got loads of class you know she's undefeated there was talk for her maybe going over fences and going for the mayor's chase um may, maybe next season possibly but then again, I think she she could. Who knows where her limitations lie? She could maybe be able to take the boys on um, uh, in over fences, and it wouldn't be the first uh, mare that Henry de Bromhead's trained to to beat the boys. Obviously, put the kettle on last year caused a bit of a shock in the Arkle, you know. So yeah, Honeysuckle. I think um, I think she's a better mare than Benny's Dejure over the two and a half miles. I think Benny is. I think they should really look at more options over further with Benny I think she's more of a, a of a free miler myself obviously her performance in the Galmoy was 
very impressive last season. Okay, it wasn't much of a race, but um, I think when you look at Benny's record, she's better, in my opinion, anyway, over over three miles instead of two and a half. I think she's more of a strong traveling type. Maybe doesn't have quite the speed that, okay, I said Tony Suckles doesn't have the speed over shorter, but she doesn't maybe have as much speed as um, as Honeysuckle or doesn't find as much under the bridle whereas Honeysuckle is a real battling sort um, and I, I I think um, I think she probably would be at this point one of my bankers if I had to have an anti-post uh, bet for the festival yeah, It's interesting the, the comment on battling um, out of all the wins so far I actually think that, that run at Leperstown defeating Dara Star was the most impressed for me um, how game she was battling back because she did look beat um, she got headed as well, and she's she's got back up over a trip that looks too short. Um, controversial comment from Chris Lodar and Benny Dizzo. Do you actually think, regardless, if they could run that race again and Paul Turner didn't go wide, do you think the result would still be the same? I, I, I think so. I just think, for me, like I said there, Benny, I think, she, I'm, she, obviously she's a fantastic mare, you know, but I don't think she's... she. I, I think Honeysuckle finds a lot more. I, I love those horses that when they're they're asked all the questions you know they respond with all the answers and honeysuckle's got that where i'm not sure benny quite has that toughness against a mare like honeysuckle that you know just going to keep finding and keep finding um and i just think if if she had got maybe a little bit closer and yes maybe got the, the a bit more of an ideal trip i still think maybe honeysuckle might have just had enough in her locker just to to grind it out and and I think that's where she just has that that edge over Benny. But like I said, Benny over three miles, I think she she would be a must play. I was a bit disappointed actually they didn't go for the stairs last season. But we know Willie Mullins likes to target the mares. He won. He's got a great record in it over the years. Won it many times. Um, but uh, for me, Honeysuckle, I just think I think uh, I think it hopefully just be a repeat of last season. Oh Callahan, what's your views on? Benny Dizzle versus Honeysuckle, that race at Cheltenham. Yeah, I think Chris kind of summed it up well there. I, I'd, I'd agree. I think regardless of how close or, or what way she would have been ridden, um, yeah, I think so. I think Honeysuckle would have pulled it out even more. You know, when you go back to the Darmer Star run that day at Lampersen over two miles, she actually jumped quite slow over the two. You know, they were going that half a stride too quick. Um, I was kind of tinkering maybe another year older if they maybe think about going to the champion hurdle route but I suppose as long as there's a mayor's hurdle connections don't need to, to think that um, but I, I think if the, if that race was run 10 times over I think he'd get the same results I think Honey Sucker would, would come out on top Sorry good as well because I'm a big fan of Honey Sucker um, yeah. nice winner for me at Channel anyway we've got another another one coming up here a winning nap from a few weeks ago Dan Skillen's Roxana yeah yeah again um my angle with roxana last week was the fact that i think the only time she'd ever been tried over three miles she'd run pretty much two of her career best efforts okay she won the mayor's hurdle grade one and you can argue it was a bit fortuitous but that's over two and a half and over three miles she's shown some of her arguably best form second behind santini and then split if the cat fits and apples jade in a photo finish over three miles and then last week was the was the third time in her career that she'd ever tackled three miles and she absolutely tore the field apart you know okay it might not have been a great field you know but she beat listener as a garner oscar completely out of sight you know and 
she, and Harry Harry Skelton won on her on the bridle, you know, and she was very impressive. And uh, I think I think Dan was a bit taken back by that. Now, I think they should try and have a crack at the stairs hurdle with her this season. You know that I think uh, Dan Skelton said in the comments after that they might go for the long walk hurdle at Ascot just before Christmas. Um, and I could see her winning that or going very well at least in it. And I think if she did run well, I think they have to give her a crack at the stairs. And for me, she'll get the mayor's allowance, and the stairs is a wider, wide. Um, open division this season it all revolves in my opinion about how good paisley park is um and if paisley park isn't finding the form from a couple of years ago there's quite a few exciting or there's a few outsiders that could take that space you've got mcfabulous as paul mentioned already a horse that i've got a lot of time for and i do think could be a major player in the stairs this season and i do think he he will end up in this race um but for me i think um roxana why not have a crack at the mares you know she's going to get the allowance got still probably a bit more to come over the shorter or over the longer trip sorry um yeah lots to like about her and uh, already a Cheltenham festival winner goes well at the track a lot to like about her chances and i think she's 20 to 1 in the place which i think is quite a big price and uh, if I had to turn around and say, what am I going to be back in tomorrow in the stairs hurdle? It would be Roxana. I'd be urging Dan Skelton, send her here. It's currently 20 to 1. Um, I've confirmed that at the moment for that race. Um, no chance she's going to go off that. If she's confirmed, there's no way that she's going to go off that price on the day. Yeah, exactly. And as at the time of recording, we're just about to get our second podcast nap in a row. As so Royale is just crossing the line to win the elite hurdle. So... Uh, so happy days. They've crossed that like that one as well. Yeah, yeah, that we all agreed on that one. Um, but we got a bit of oh, value. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I think it went off odds on in the end, but we, uh, I think we tipped up at ten to three before Goshen, uh, came out. So if you took the ten to three, happy days. Well, we did say Goshen wouldn't win, so we're half right, you know. Yeah, well, we said, well, we probably thought Goshen wouldn't turn up. So, but anyway, just uh, just a bit of novel there for the podcast. A nice little plug for the boys. Yeah. Exactly. Anyway, Roxana for Dan Skellen, definitely want to look at in the Antipost Marcus. Moving on to first one from Willie Mullins for Crystal Boulder, Saint Roy. Yeah, um this would probably be my champion hurdle horse for this season at this stage. Um I think you've just got to look at JP McManus for the stairs hurdle. Uh really obviously he's gonna have Epitons against Fire it, uh, at it again this year. And she, she, who knows how, how much more she's got to come. She could still have a bit more improvement. Um, you've got also as well the likes of um, Espar Dualen that won it a couple of years ago for Gavin Cromwell, Bouverdet, you know. So it's a, it's a race that he really means a lot to him and he really likes to have runners at. And this ain't Roy. Last season, to win the county hurdle after just a couple of starts, I thought was a real effort. And you could see... He, he did a lot of things wrong. He's a very keen and enthusiastic type. And I thought it was a great ride by Barry Geraghty, who uh, it's going to be a shame not to see him at the festival next year. You know, he uh, really did go out on a high on his last festival, cleaning up many winners for JP. Um, but St. Roy, you know, I thought he was an impressive winner. He couldn't have done much more on his return at Tipperary last month. I believe he could be going for the Morgiana hurdle next week at Punchestown. Um, I just think... There could be a lot more to come from him this season. And I think if we're looking at the Irish challenge in this division, I think St. Roy leads the way. 
and Willie Mullins as well. I think just going to get a little bit more out of him. I think Mark Welsh will probably take the ride as well. Um, just a lot to like about St. Roy this season. And I, and I just think the fact that he's already won at Cheltenham is already a massive positive. I like horses that have already won at the course before, you know. Um, just so much to like about his chances. And uh, for me, St. Roy, I think uh, I think all roads lead to the champion hurdle. They've been quite bullish and said this is the long-term target. Yeah, St. Roy for me um, is going to be my champion hurdle contender for this season. Fuller seems quite bullish here. Take note. It's interesting, the uh, Morgana Hurdle betting for next weekend on the 15th on Sunday. It's 4 to 5 up against another horse that's been mentioned, Abba Cadaverus. So of course, it would be the horse that's the most difficult to pronounce. But yeah, they're betting there 4 to 5 St. Roy, Abba Cadaverus 3 to 1. Um, if one of them come out, that's definitely going to cut up. Um, but yeah, one to note, uh, Chris Lowder's very, very bullish on this one. Moving on to number 8. Our popular horse, uh, Paul Nichols, Politologue. Why do you like this one, Chris? Yeah, now a lot of people might shun Politologue here and go, Chris, why are you tipping this? We know everything we need to know about him. You know, he was a very lucky winner of the champion chase last year, you know. And, and um, yeah, the, the, the likes of Altior, Shaq and Borsois, they'll put him back in his in his place. You know? However, I think maybe we're just being a bit harsh to Politologue. And we're forgetting, actually, he is a very, very classy horse. Uh, won the Tingle Creek a few years ago, um, and and had run some blinders in the past. Nearly gave out your scare, you might remember, um, when he finished second to him back in the twenty nineteen renewal. So, a lot to like about Politologue, and I thought Harry Skelton gave him a brilliant ride from the front last year. And I think Paul Nichols has found the key to him now. He said last year it's just taken him a long time to understand Politologue. He's been campaigned over all kinds of trips. He even had an attempt in the King George where I think he finished in fourth, which was actually probably a respectable run from him. You know, he's a he's a horse that lo lo loves the game and he tries his heart out. Um, and I thought, like I said, he was definitely a worthy winner of that race last year. He jumped brilliantly out in front. And I just think... Um, we know or we know where we stand with him. I think he's going Tingle Creek and then he'll have a bash at the champion chase. He runs well fresh. He's got a great record fresh. He's won a few times in his seasonal reappearance. And yeah, he might be getting on for nearly 10 years old next season or next year. But um, yeah, I, looking at the, the, the champion chase picture as a whole, Shaq Empossois, I know he has a high reputation with many people, but I've... I'm still yet to be convinced. I think when he beat Deffy at Punchestown, Deffy had had a hard season, and that's the excuse there. And then a lot of people are going to go, oh, well, he beat Min, hands down. Oh, God, that was a shocking race to watch back. Min went so hard. I think it was might have been Ornua making the run in that day, and Min just tried to stay very close to Ornua, and just sitting on that pace, going so hard early on, at the Dublin Racing Festival, it, it was just uh, Paul Townend, or who I can't remember who the, I think it was Paul Townend on Chack and Bonsoir that day. He must have just been licking his lips, you know, because he knew that Min was probably going to get tired in the closing stages. And that's the reason why, in my opinion, Min lost that to Chack and Bonsoir. Um, I think just being ridden so close to the pace really got him, got him out of his comfort zone early. And 
if you actually watch a race back, it was so tiring for the horses coming in. Even Shakan was really tired at the end. So he's not a horse I've got time for, or he's not a horse that I'd be really warm to. Altior does have the question marks to answer. I think he will have a really light campaign. However, he's had a couple of setbacks in the last 12 months, and he's not always been, I think, the most easiest horse to prepare. Um, so he would have his question marks for me. But Politolog, we know he's going to run in the single creek where I think he would be a massive player. Paul Nichols has got a great record in that race. And I think going back to Cheltenham, he'll go very close to winning that champion chase again. And it's not to be underestimated in this division. Currently 10 to 1 best price available for the single creek Politolog. I think Altior, 7 to 2. Looks a bit big. What do you think of that, Paul Callahan? Yeah, definitely, I do. Um, I think around the, the eight to one mark for the champion chase, I think it looks a bit big. Um, yeah, I, I can't see. I think if the you know if the best, I think if Altior comes back, you know, Shackleford as well is a horse. I think Robbie Power was quite. I think he rode against him last year. He, he was a horse that, that was, you know, he, he's quite keen on from from riding against him. Um, I just think Clitheroe. I could see him running well without winning. I think it would be a serious strain of performance to to get more, you know, to keep him there and, and keep him at the top table and, and eke out more more improvements, you know. I just think Valtior comes back. I think he's the one for me, he's the one that they all have to be. Yeah, um don't really disagree much, um, Chris Loder, but I mean Altior, Defi de Sol, Shokum, Porswa, I mean, these are top animals. Um I think ten to one's a bit skinny. Um, but we'll see how the race the race develops and obviously see how it cuts up. But I think 10 to 1 is a bit short. It's not one that I would be diving in for. But moving on to number nine, a horse has been mentioned a lot today, Envoy Allen for Gordon Elliott. Yeah, I mean, every everyone in the world is going to have him except Paul Callahan in their team. <laughs> um, but I just think it's so obvious why you've got to have him in, you know. Now, to be fair, I am... I, I, um, I don't normally say this, but I I was wrong about Envoy Allen last year. I was quite dead against him for for the um, Ballymore. He and he put me in my place. It was a very impressive performance. Um, I just thought that his I hadn't quite seen seen that performance to sit up and take note on his prior runs. I had quite a bit of um, question marks over his form going into the festival. I, I thought his run. Um, when he won the um, Layla of um, the Nace, Lawler of Nace, uh, not, yeah, the Lawlers. I thought the form of that was very questionable. Um, how and it had been a graveyard for favourites, um, uh, or it had been a graveyard for horses going into the Cheltenham Festival. I think in the last ten winners, they had all flopped at the festival, so it was definitely a route that I was kind of against. However, it was a brilliant performance. In that, um, in the uh, Ballymore, and we know that that from what they've said that the um, the long term goal is to win the Cheltenham Gold Cup with this horse. Not sure, maybe maybe he might be able to get three miles, but we already know that the the the, the route really is probably going to head for a race like the Drimmore. It might go to Leopardstown, maybe at Christmas, maybe a go at the Dublin Racing Festival, and then he'll probably have a crack at the um the Marsh Chase and probably win that hands down you know i think um two and a half miles that's where they want to be keeping him this season don't need to get distracted just think he wins all the trial races he wins at the festival and uh, it'll be another season unbeaten and it was a very and you have to say on his debut as well at down royal he was very impressive and um yeah just 
ticks all the boxes for me and yeah not original but I just think he's gonna uh, be cleaning up this season in that division yeah I know it was about that egg and spoon race at Down Royal but I was quite impressed with the jumping and um, be interesting to see see his jumping next time out actually tested um but I mean he's only a six-year-old so probably step up to three you'd imagine next season or even wait till an eight-year-old um he definitely looks like the one to beat um, around those sort of this is two and a half miles uh, what's your view on that one paul yeah i'd agree i thought he was very good um at the i thought he was he did what he had to do with down royal i thought his jumping for a big horse touch wood he's, he's very organized with his feet you know even with his hurdles he's a proper like an old-fashioned stamp of an old-fashioned chaser he, I was always very impressed with over hurdles. You'd imagine the size of him that the hurdles would almost get in his way. But I was very impressed with his, he was so quick with his feet in front of the, the hurdles. And that was again, for, for the size of him, the fences would, would bring out the, a better, the best of him, you know, would make him put a, a better shape over a fence. And I was really impressed with his jumping at Down Royal. Um, long, short, he was just, he was very, very good. And I think that he's, he's the one they all have to beat in, in the, You'd imagine they'll stick to, to two and a half mile division. Yeah, he's going to be very, very difficult to beat. Um, I know there's some prices up already for him to win any race at the Cheltenham Festival. Was he, was he two to one? Around two to one? I think it was, yeah. I think it was. You'd be grabbing that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Moving on to another Chibi Park winner uh, for Henry de Bromhead, Chris Loder's last pick, a plus tard. Yeah, a, a pluta. Um, as, the, as a French would say um, yeah I really like this horse again another horse I've got a lot of time for was an impressive winner you have to say uh, last year when he won the um, the novice's handicap chase absolutely bolted up over two and a half um, and then last season it just took him a little while to get going however he was a very good winner I thought when he beat Chac and Poursoir that day at um at Leopardstown, a lot of people say, "Oh, yeah, Chakan had his excuses," um, but I, I didn't think he did. Um, he, but at that time, I don't think Willie's were maybe quite firing in all cylinders. However, Chakan, I'm not Chakan, Paul, sir, Aplutar. I think if they'd run him in the Champion Chase on soft ground, he's a major player. Um, I think. I think on soft ground, he would have the edge over uh, horses like Shakan over two miles in Ireland. He's just a horse that I've got a lot of time for, um, really. And, and I just think when he, he's a... I wouldn't like to call him a mudlark, but I just think he's a different animal altogether when there's plenty of rain in the ground. And over two miles, I think that's more of his trip. He was just touched off in the Ryan Air when he finished in third. But for me, I think a Plutard's got a little bit of unfinished business and he might be able to clean up a few of those uh, grade ones over in Ireland over two miles if he's campaigned that way when the ground is especially on the soft side. He's actually declared to run tomorrow on the 8th of November and the top for Trueity Chase at Navan. Um, four to seven. You think this is a one-on-one, Chris? I haven't complete. I need to see the makeup of the field, but uh, as long as there's not any dangers in there, uh, he should be. Yeah, he should. He, he should probably uh, be winning this. Henry's horse has been running quite well of late, and um, yeah, I think. I think. Uh, yeah, hopefully it'll be a good start to the season. Yeah, Chivy Park definitely have a strong contingent this season. Um, the flat and over fences. So just to 
So to wrap things up, Chris Loader tend to follow Manila Endo, Henry de Bromhead, Real Steel, Paul Nichols, Springfield Fox, Tom George, I Write, Harry Graham, Honeysuckle, Henry de Bromhead, Roxana, Dan Skelton, St. Roy, Willie Mullins, Politolog, Paul Nichols, Envoy Allen, Gordon Elliott, and Aputa, Henry de Bromhead. And moving on to our odds on favourite in the match bet, Paul Callahan. No pressure here, Paul. Starting off with Shishkin, Hen- Nicky Henderson, Dussart, Nicky Henderson, McFabulous, Paul Nichols, Lost in Translation, Colin Tizard, The Brig Breakaway, Colin Tizard, Altior, Nicky Henderson, Darver Star, Gavin Cromwell, Abra Kadabras, it's probably the, for Gordon Elliott, probably the best pronunciation I've made all day, same the best to last. Appreciate it, Willie Mullins, and Fernie Hollow, Willie Mullins. Listen, guys, it's been great. Thanks for your time. Um, all the information on how to enter the top 10 to follow, I'll put the link in the bio with all Chris and Paul's selections. Make sure you follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Any reviews are welcome. Gamble responsibly. Have a great weekend, guys. Oh, <laughs>